So my dear friend Julie is an expert on many, many things. But one of her areas of expertise is hashtags. That's that, that number sign that, that looks a little bit like this. So all the cool kids these days sometimes use that at the end of a statement to summarize what it is that they're talking about. They often do it with no punctuation or spaces and they squish all the words together. Well, Julie comes up with some pretty amazing hashtags and she shares them in her social media posts and sometimes in her emails and quite often in our regular text exchanges. One of my favorites of Julie hasht Julie's hashtags that we revisit over and over and over again is hashtag not what I expected. It seems pretty appropriate for these days, right? Expectations are anything but predictable these days. So Julie and I have been texting each other regularly and that hashtag has made a very frequent occurrence. So as I was thinking about our gospel text for this morning, I couldn't help but think that the text itself has a lot of pretty good examples of hashtag not what I expected. So we can start with this second Sunday of Easter when we're normally gathered together and continuing to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord when we're singing these beautiful, glorious hymns, sometimes with lots and lots of musicians and trumpets and brass and flutes and clarinets and organs and the flowers are blooming and we're all gathered together in the same place when we're celebrating having shared in a wonderful spring break and gone away and been able to travel, maybe when we're starting to get busy planting our garden and getting our things ready for spring, maybe even planning for summer. Well, hashtag not what we expected, right? can also imagine that there's probably plenty of pastors that are out there this morning, this second Sunday of Easter, that are preaching to their congregations remotely, I pray, to talk about the merits of blind faith, the ways in which we are to believe without seeing. Well, friends, if that's a message that you're looking for, then hashtag not what you expected because you won't find it here this morning. We can start out with the context of the Gospel of John, the fourth Gospel. It's written to a community that's fractured. This community had been cast out of the temple. They had been cast away from the synagogues and separated from the community where they had been worshiping together for much of their life. The ways in which they had practiced their faith for most of their life was taken away from them. The temple had been destructed and they were unable to gather and they were unable to worship according to the commands of the Torah and the faith journey that they were so used to. A fractured community unable to gather and worship the way that they're used to. Hmm, that sounds kind of familiar. Then we have poor Thomas. Poor Thomas, who gets such a bad rap. Well, the author of the fourth gospel ends up using Thomas to make a point that you don't have to see to believe, which is desperately important considering the audience that the author is writing to, this audience that's been scattered and that's unable to worship the way that they are so used to. 
But unfortunately, some things get lost in translation, and poor Thomas gets burdened with much more than he might deserve. When Jesus responds to Thomas, many translations read, do not doubt, but believe. But however, the Greek that's used here is fluid enough that Jesus is likely saying something more to Thomas like, even in the midst of your doubts, you can still believe. Keep on believing. Thomas is almost villainized for his doubts. When so many of us miss that after Jesus' disciples were in, with him in the upper room, right after in one of his first resurrection ex, uh, appearances, even after they had seen the resurrected Christ and their risen Lord, they stayed in that locked room for fear of what was happening outside. They were scared of the authorities. They were scared about what was about to happen. It's not like the rest of the disciples were out and about right after they saw the resurrected Christ preaching and telling everyone about the amazing things that had just happened. They went and they found Thomas, one person who they trusted, and they told him about it. And then they all went back to being gathered together and huddled in this room by themselves. That's, that's something that they don't get burdened with. But yet Thomas is villainized because Thomas doubts. Thomas wants to see in order to believe. At the end of the 20th chapter, the author of the fourth gospel shares that these signs, that everything that's written down in the fourth gospel is recorded for the purposes of belief. Written so that you might continue in your belief. In the author's mind, these signs aren't written down to convince you to believe in the first place. These signs are written down to help you continue in your beliefs, even when your community is fractured, even when you can't gather in the same way that you're used to gathering and worshiping, even when the events that you have witnessed make it hard for you to believe. Seems like a pretty appropriate message for us to be hearing in the midst of so much uncertainty in our lives in April 2020 when the whole world is shut down and everyone's trying to figure out how to best care for one another in the midst of a global pandemic. Doubting Thomas gets this bad rap, but I happen to think that doubting Thomas is a model for our faith. Because Thomas wrestles, and he asks questions, and he tries to engage. And I wonder if maybe don't our doubts help us to engage? When we ask questions, aren't we trying to dig a little bit deeper? When I was growing up, my dad regularly brought out this scripture from Philippians 2. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And I never took that as a means to think that I should be afraid to question or to doubt, but rather that I was supposed to ask questions, that I was supposed to wrestle with my beliefs and figure out what worked for me and what meant for me, to wrestle with my wonders and my doubts and to pursue being in relationship with God. Because a faith that's engaged, a faith that wrestles and wonders and pursue, I believe, is a faith that's blessed. 
So let's talk about the second part of our scripture lesson this morning. Let's talk about Jesus and his disciples and their breakfast on the beach. The disciples, they go out to fish and they were hit with plenty of hashtag not what I expected experiences. First of all, I'm sure when they got in their boats and decided that they wanted to go fishing, that they were hoping to actually catch some fish. Many of the disciples were fishermen by trade, as you remember from the beginning of many gospel accounts, when Jesus calls his first disciples and invites them to fish for people. So they were seeking out some fish. That's not anything out of the ordinary. But hashtag not what they expected. They were up all night and they found nothing. They couldn't catch a thing. And they tried a bunch of different ways to fish and they still couldn't come up with anything. And then this stranger appears on the shore and suggests that they try putting their net on the other side. I can only imagine that there might have been a few of those type A disciples that were out there thinking, you know, we've already been out here all night and we've already tried every side of the boat. Don't you think that we know what we're doing? Don't you think we've already put our nets out there and tried and found nothing? Well, as it turns out, yet another Hashtag not what they expected. There were more fish than they could ever imagine on the other side, on that right side of the boat where they cast their nets. Their expectations confounded them. When they even started their fishing journey the night before, they didn't think that they would come back with 153 fish, nor did they ever even imagine to think or expect that 153 fish would be enough that it wouldn't break their nets, that it wouldn't destroy everything, that they would actually be able to haul in a catch that big. Just when they felt like they should be asking where all these fish were coming from and where their good fortune was coming from, just when they thought to ask who this stranger was, they all seemed to know immediately that it was Jesus, that it was their Lord. Well, there's not much about the living of these days that any of us could have expected. And plenty of that confounds us. There are ways in which we're desperate to see and to touch and to share one another's physical presence and to find some sense of normalcy and we can't. And we don't know how long this will go on and we're doing the best that we can to keep ourselves and one another safe and to care for one another in our communities. And there's plenty of things that we're missing and plenty of our expectations that aren't being met. And there are plenty of ways that God is working to confound our expectations. There is so much beauty being put into the world right now. I shared a story on our social media pages. And you can go on our YouTube channel and see one of the other videos that is there it's the story of the three trees, one of my very favorite children's books. Each of the trees in this book has a dream. They have this expectation for how they're going to grow and how they're going to be used. And each one of their expectations is confounded. And they think that all is lost. And then they end up being used for something far beyond their imagination. I think that we're all living in this time of uncertainty and we're all seeking to be used. So my dear and wonderful family of God, hear this. God is using you. 
in the biggest and the smallest ways, you are an instrument of peace and you are an instrument of hope. What we expect of ourselves, what we expect of one another, even what we expect of God might not make sense in this moment. But you can trust that there is something incredible, there's something amazing coming that is far beyond your expectations and far beyond your imagination. I don't know what expectations were in the church decades ago when there was a small fire that ended up burning down the fellowship hall. And I don't know what expectations were there when the decision was made to put a commercial grade kitchen back in place of our fellowship hall. But I am convinced that the Holy Spirit is at the center of the work of our wonderful chefs, Ben and Daniel, and the underground table, and all of the incredible work that's being done to help feed hungry people. Like this last Tuesday when over 600 people were fed by the meals that were coming out of that kitchen in our fellowship hall. And y'all, these meals are pretty high class. I think that the dish that was being served this past Tuesday was something called crab positano. And I honestly have no idea what that is, but it sounds really, really fancy. So how many hashtag not what I expected do you think came from the folks who were driving through our parking lot to pick up their meals? Or the folks who had meals delivered to their house thinking that they were getting you know, scraps or leftovers or some potluck thing that was strewn together and they ended up having a fancy four-star meal with something called crab positano. I want to hear about the goodness and the beauty that you're seeing in the world and the ways, the good ways that God is confounding your expectations. Send me an email or a text or call me or better yet, Join my friend Julie and I and our favorite hashtag, not what I expected. And share your good moments on our Facebook page or our Instagram. Tell the world the good things that God is doing in your life. Because we have an opportunity to set aside our expectations and open ourselves up to the amazing things that God is doing in us and through us and to let that inspire us. We have an opportunity to ask questions and wrestle and struggle with our doubt and let that engage us into deeper relationships with God and with one another. We have an opportunity to be the signs, to be the miracles and the wonders and the things that the world so desperately needs so that the beloved community of God all around us can continue in believing in the goodness of the world in believing in God's immeasurable love and radical hospitality. Have fun with me as we work to confound some expectations of our own and rejoice with me in our crucified Savior and resurrected Lord and all the ways our own expectations are shattered and exceeded in love. May this be so. Amen.